Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater. I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And we have a very special mini-sode for you this week. We are reviewing the movie, the 1994 film Angels in the Outfield, uh, starring Danny Glover and uh, Tony Danza. Jeremy, this is a very dear movie uh, from my childhood. I watched it many, many times uh, in the 90s, but I probably had not seen it for over 20 years, probably 23 years at least. So a, a yep. wave a wave of nostalgia is crashing over me right now. Yeah, yeah. And I have never seen it. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we've talked about it, Jack, like, you know, uh, off air when we were talking about doing this episode and like... Yeah, I mean, I, it's weird. Like, so what? There's a five year difference in our yeah, ages, yeah. right? I was born in '86. So you were eight. Yeah, when I was. I was eight when it came out. Probably when I first saw it. Yeah. Okay, so I was. Uh, wait, is that right? Yeah. Then I was. Did that make sense? So then I was thirteen. Yeah. 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 yeah that yeah. would work. Yep. So that's. I think that that's the difference right there. Yes. Like in us not seeing it. Like yeah. as a thirteen year old. I mean, I wasn't like you know out on my skateboard like with a pack of cigarettes rolled up my sleeve but for something for some reason like as a 13 year old i was like i think the fact that it was a disney movie i was like can't do it i i, I love baseball i watched every like baseball movie there was uh around like like you know from a few years earlier but like i think i just i was like i can't do the disney movie i don't know well, yeah and uh you know jeremy we mentioned this in the uh the the pilot the baseball pilot that we shot and have never mentioned as far <laughs> as i know on this uh on this podcast yep. uh but so part of that script was a, a part where uh the uh, main character of it uh says that like in the uh, 90s there was a strange subgenre of movies where little kids got uh, directly <laughs> involved with major league baseball teams yes uh, you had rookie of the year angels yep. in the outfield and then and Little Big League. Little, uh, League. Little Big League, of course, being famous because the uh, the team loses at the end. Ah, yes. But uh, that was just that was just candy for me as a child in the '90s, as a kid who loved baseball, to just be able to like imagine putting the uniform on and being in the dugout with the team. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, rookie of the year, I was all, all on board. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe because I mean, it was the 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 Cubs. I also never really saw Little Big League. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I've seen more parts of it than yeah. I've ever seen of Angels in the Outfield, but. Um, I think if I'm, I'm thinking like Rookie of the Year came out in maybe '92 or something. Yeah, yeah. And maybe Little Big League was '94 or maybe in between there. Yeah, well, so Little Big League came out uh, the same year as Billy Madison. I know oh. it came out at the same time. I know that because uh, <laughs> my dad was going to take me and my friend to see Little Big League, but like okay. it was sold out, so he took <laughs> us to see Billy Madison instead, and uh, the rest is history. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I think in the long run that was a better choice. Yes. And it's hard to believe that Little Big League was sold out. It, yeah, I know. I know. That's the strangest part of that story That's in retrospect weird. what was famous about little big league too not just the team losing but like they had a lot of real players in that movie i know oh, yeah. I, I feel like no baseball movie is complete without le- at least one real player but like that movie had like ken griffey jr and he like makes the big catch at the end of little big league yeah yeah right that's right uh so this is episode number 49 the it ryan is. the ryan cordell episode it is. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately so the game we went to last week which was episode number 48 uh ryan cordell had a great game in that yeah, game the game of his life it, it was the game of like he hit two home runs he made like he robbed a home run or made a fantastic catch in the outfield jeremy only explanation uh he had an angel with him in that game <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, seeing that now, that's that's that has to be the only explanation I could think of. Yeah, so Ryan Cordell, we don't know what your deal is. We don't know what part you have in the uh, White Sox rebuild. Probably none. But uh, hey, we're honoring you for episode number forty-nine. So yeah. congrats. Uh, so Jeremy, um, uh, so yeah, let's get rolling with our review here. We're gonna yeah. kind of take this beat by beat and just talk about each part. Yeah, yeah. First off, uh, well, first of all, I guess um, uh, the opening credits, Jack. Uh, I gotta say, like. Uh, the opening credits kind of buried Joseph Gordon-Levitt's name a little bit. I, yeah. Jack, you, you you didn't mention him as one of the stars of the movie, but I feel like he is the star of the movie. He, he is. As much as I... Here's a, here's a first tidbit, is that I hate Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jeremy, you need to explain this. I just cannot stand him. I can't stand his face. I can't stand anything about him. I think it's I think it's because of uh, when he was on Third Rock from the Sun, he uh-huh. had like the long hair. Yeah. He just looks like such a dork. Like and and with the long hair, like when you when you shouldn't have long hair, like I've talked about, like how I like I think long hair is cool on certain people, like Barry Zito, for instance. Yeah. But when you shouldn't have long hair and you have long hair, you can look really dumb. Sure. And I think Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt looked really stupid with long hair, and I just hated his stupid face. And um, you know, as he got older, like I think he be, he became like some sort of like heartthrob or whatever. Yeah. Oh, sure. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like. There, I maybe liked him in that uh, Don Juan. Yeah, Don Juan was good. Um, what, was, yeah. what was the name of the full name of that movie? Uh, I think it was uh, Don. Was it Don John or oh, Don Juan? Don John. Yeah, something. Yeah, like that. it was something like that. Also reunites him with Tony Danza. I didn't really yeah. think about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they talked about Angels in the Outfield on yeah. set. I, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I imagine they must have. They had to probably. Yeah, 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 yeah they had sure. to have brought it up. I wonder uh, if it's like some kind of alternate sequel to, <laughs> to <laughs> Angels in the Outfield. He's just really into masturbating. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, so uh, so yeah, so he kind of gets buried in the lead, lead a little bit. Jack, you didn't re- I, see that. So ha- having not seen Angels in the Outfield, that's one thing that I did know is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in it. Yeah, so I hadn't um, really, I, I had been uh, as hands-off with this movie as possible. I wanted as much of it to be as surprised to me as I could um, from, you know, from remembering it when I was a kid. Uh, and yeah, I, I did not know who Joseph Gordon-Levitt was when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, uh, when, when, when did Third Rock from the Sun first start airing? Was it like 95 or 6 it or something like that? It had been somewhere right around there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, maybe this was like pre-Third Rock from the Sun. I wonder um, if he didn't cut his hair, because his hair is getting a little shaggy at the end of the movie i wonder if he like never cut it before starting third rock from yeah the like sun. in preparation from third uh, for third rock from the sun yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah um so yeah joseph gordon levitt in it is in it uh i mean i guess he's okay uh as i mean he's just a <laughs> child actor in it but uh yeah. you know i don't know i never really had a problem with joseph gordon levitt but jeremy i knew i knew you hate him so i wasn't uh i wasn't <laughs> sure if this was gonna be uh, a weird thing for you once i saw his name in the credits yeah well you know it's it's uh i i was prepared for it going in like it was maybe that's another reason why i've never kind of gone back and watched it just because i knew i'd have to to, you know, deal with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but but uh, we ca- we carry on. There'll be many, many more things to talk about with that. Um, the first thing that that stood out to me was like the Angels' uniforms in this particular time period. Yeah, that they uh, wore. Like they had, it was like I feel like that uniform was kind of short-lived a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't remember them ever having that hat that had the C A on it. Uh, yeah. it's kind of an ugly-looking hat. When in one of the years I played Little League, I was on the Angels, okay. and I would always get like the real hat, yeah. And like so, I have like that era hat, okay, because that's when I was on the the uh, the team, and uh, yeah, it's kind of it's it's I actually still have it, but it's like a little kid's hat. I kind of wish it still fit, just so I could still 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 wear it out sometimes. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. But yeah, so um, so uh, a couple things like from the like the credits that stood out to me, like uh, so. I mean, we named all those people in it, but like Brenda Fricker is in it. Yeah. So Brenda uh, Fricker of uh, she had a she had a moment there in the '90s, I think. With, she did. With Angels yeah. in the Outfield. Uh, so I married an axe murderer. She's the wife in that. 
and uh, Michael My- Mike Myers' uh, mother. Uh, and she was in Home Alone 2. Yeah, she was the pigeon lady in Home Alone 2, right? She was, yeah. I, I feel like uh, she's an actor of much, uh, uh, like, gravitas, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. she can really ground a scene. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, there's this, like, dumb kids movie going on around her, but, like, uh, in Angels in the Outfield. But, like, she's giving this, like, really uh, grounded and pretty good performance. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. She has she, to be the... Is she Irish? Yes. Okay, she, sound, yeah. she sounds like she's, like, hiding an Irish brogue, so... Especially that last scene, which we'll get to, like, it, it, it's it's kind of... That was, like, kind of, like... Maybe she would... She, that was, like, a reshoot or something, and she, like... She, like, didn't want to hide the accent anymore, but right. we'll get into that. So, okay, let's let's get into the movie and everything, uh, and, and, and everything. The first thing that essentially happens is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, comes home with uh, with his buddy JP uh, to back to their, like, foster home. So they live in this, like, temporary foster... I don't know, what, what would you, how would you describe I, it? Yeah, I don't know all of the, uh, like, uh, laws of, like, uh, this sort of thing, but it seemed like, from what they said, that uh, Brenda Fricker only had, like, a temporary foster yeah, it's license. Yeah, like, short-term foster care, yeah, maybe. So, yeah, so she could only keep kids for, like, six to seven months. So he's in what's essentially, like, this halfway house for kids, while yeah. his dad is trying to uh, give him up legally so he can just get adopted permanently by uh, some family. Yeah, so he, he gets home, and the dad is there, uh, who's played by Dermot Mulroney, yep. who might be playing the same character that he played in Career Opportunities. I've never He's, seen that movie. That's a great movie, okay. Jack. You should see that. That's nice. a, it was written by John Hughes, not directed by him, and like it's like the forgotten John. Like people overlook it, but I, I love that movie. Okay. Um, but uh, it's about a guy who works at Target, gets works overnight, and gets locked in there with Jennifer Connelly oh. in a white tank top. Okay. Um, so yeah. it, it's a great movie. Uh, and Dermot Mulroney is one of like uh, is a robber in that movie, and he's like this really sleazy, like slimy, like literal like grease ball like guy and like he looks like this he's got like these ugly like sideburns and everything yeah and he, he's essentially playing the same guy in this movie too yeah yeah well he you know the first time you see him he's kind of like he's lounging on a couch he's wearing his fonzie uh leather jacket with yeah. like a white t-shirt on he's yeah, smoking he's, a cigarette in the house in the like house, come on yeah. dude it's not your fucking house go go outside with that cigarette there was a really? lot of smoking in this movie yeah the there was yeah. there oh we'll get to that later too yeah for sure um, um yeah i guess yeah for, for a, a children's of, movie this was kind of before before they started like uh, not having smoking in movies, a bit of foreshadowing possibly too. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but uh, so he's talking about how like you know he has to give the kid up and stuff. I actually from the very first minute of it, I thought like, and I knew the line like, yeah, maybe we'll get back together when maybe the angels win the pennant. I thought he was like. I mean, he is kind of a deadbeat dad, but I thought he was like kind of like an abusive dad, like kind yeah. of like a, a real piece of shit. Yeah, he's just kind of like a loser. Yeah, no, he, more than a piece of shit. Yeah, he is, and uh, <laughs> he even like he even uh, he's like, hey, he says to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he goes, hey, the Angels still your team, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes, yeah, and like the guy kind of goes, uh, Dermot Mulroney goes. Pfft. Like, it's yeah, like, they're well, losers. Or yeah, something. yeah, he's like they're lose. Uh, a, guy, a boy who roots for losers, like runs in the family. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Wh- what are you? What are you talking? Why are you ragging on this kid for liking a baseball team? That and was, like seriously ragging on. That was like too. the harshest thing he said in the whole movie. Yeah, and then he kind of pulls it because then he's like. You know, things didn't work out the way I wanted him to or whatever, like with your mom leaving or whatever. Or, or like, I think his mom died, died or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so, but, and so then it like almost tries to humanize it, but he just called the kid a loser. Yeah. And I was going to say, so like he, he's smoking a cigarette, right? And so he puts the cigarette out on his jean pant leg. <laughs> 
Like he, they make a point of getting like a close up of him stubbing the cigarette, not in yeah. an ashtray, but on his jean. Wouldn't pants. you get? Wouldn't you get burns in your clothes if you did yeah, that? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like he's calling him the kid a loser. What kind of loser puts a cigarette on on his leg? Like that's not cool. <laughs> it's just dumb. You're just burning your pants and maybe your leg, and and at the very best, you're getting ash all over your pants. Like that's not like cool dudes in leather jackets don't have like ash marks on their pants. No. So like I don't get I don't get that choice right there. Like I guess it was supposed to make him I thought it was trying to make him tough, but maybe it was trying to show him as like a loser or something. Yeah. Like the guy is just clinically depressed, yep. actually. That's yeah. the problem with him. Like maybe he can't get it together, but I think he's undiagnosed as like manic depressive or something. Yeah. Because he's putting cigarettes on, on himself, like he he probably puts a couple out on his arms, you know, just to feel alive or something. Like I don't know what's going on, but like the guy's got problems. Yeah, like, and maybe he, I don't think he was wearing a helmet when he was riding that motorcycle. <laughs> no, hell, you know? hell no, no. Yeah. But maybe if he got on medication, like maybe he could get his shit together, and then he could get the kid back. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm reading between lines here, but um, he's definitely a loser. Yes, for some reason or another. But um, but yeah. So um, anyway, uh, so that happens, and then he leaves or whatever, and. I mean, pretty much after that, the the kids go to the game, right? Yeah, they go to the game, and they're sitting up in the tree, and the Angels are playing the Blue Jays. Yes, okay. Um, so, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levin and JP, so Roger is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to vacillate between calling him yeah, me, all those different I names. I had for, already forgotten what Joseph Gordon-Levin's name was, but uh, Roger is a lot easier. Yeah, his name is Roger. Um, so they're in a tree watching the game. Yep. Um, and at first... Uh, well, okay, so then the game's happening, and, like, we see, like, the hapless angels, and uh, there's a play where, like, the center fielder and the and the left fielder collide, trying to get a ball. The ball, like, um, uh, you know, drops and, like, in for a hit and, like, run score or whatever, uh, and the game kind of falls apart. We should note that the center fielder is played by Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, want, I think it was Matthew McConaughey's first big movie, too. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. It, it might have been for a lot of other people, yep. too. Um, but uh, that happens, and then uh, the manager, uh, Knox, uh, George Knox, played by Danny Glover, uh, comes out to make a pitching change, right? And so he goes out to the pitcher's mound, and he tries to pull the pitcher. They get into a fight, uh, an argument, and uh, he tries to pull him, and he's like, he's like, give me the ball. And he's like, you want the ball? Here's the ball. And like, he fires it like into the stands, basically. Yep. Then he throws his, his, uh, his mitt. And they get they start drawing each other, and they actually have a physical altercation. Yep. And it leads it leads the benches to clear, and the angels the whole angels uh, bench clears, and the Blue Jays go out to to also join in in the fight for some reason, maybe out of like a automatic baseball like response or whatever. And then the manager like calls all the the Blue Jays guys back in. He's like, let them fight or something. Yeah. Right? And then the, the the Blue Jays have like this take where they're like, yes. oh, like, like they're all uh-huh. like, yeah, they're all confused. It's a big comedic moment. Um, so yeah, you see, uh, you see Danny Glover, uh, get in a fight with his own player. Uh, shortly after that, he gets in a fight with, uh, Ranch Wilder, who is the asshole announcer. Um, yeah, well, before, before, before that happens, like on the field, you mean? Uh, oh or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before that happens, I just want to talk about that, that pitching change in the throw. Like, Carlos Zambrano completely stole the, the ball throw from, from, uh, that pitcher. So I don't remember, I don't remember this. So, uh, at... It was in a game. It was towards like the decline of Carlos Zambrano. Like, yeah. At the at, on the downhill of his Cubs tenure, like he bashed that Gatorade machine with a bat, and he got thrown out of a game by an umpire. And like the umpire says, like you're out of here, and Zambrano goes like, no, you're out of here, and he takes the ball and he fires it from like between the home plate and the pitcher's mound into the bleachers. 
and uh, and and like he walks off the field, and like it was, it was completely messed up, but it was also kind of funny. It was yeah. funny that it happened, but like that was a total like he totally stole that from Angels in the Outfield. I didn't know that until now. <laughs> well, so. yeah, I mean, uh, Jeremy, uh, just think like how many other like Carlos Zambrano stories are going to get unearthed uh, on this podcast <laughs> as we go along. We have him being addicted to the internet. Yeah, uh, you know, we, and now, now we have this throwing a ball in the center field. Yeah, so um, so yeah, there's the pitch, the 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 fight happens, and um, as as like the fight is happening, um. As if this, the 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 like security guards don't have enough to worry about, one of the security guards actually peers back and sees jo- Jogo and uh, JP in the tree watching the game. Yeah, and the guy goes like, "I hope you got tickets for that tree." And yeah. like they're like, "We gotta get out of here," and then they run off. And I wasn't thinking like, what's what's illegal about them being in a tree watching the game? Yeah. But then it turns out that the tree is in the stadium. Like, yeah, it's on in the Angels parking lot. It was like a restricted area. Yeah, it was which next is, to the bleachers, basically. Yeah, and so Jeremy, also like, how how tall is this tree? I mean, bleachers are pretty high, yeah, right? JP yeah. is like a six or seven year old kid. Like, is he going <laughs> to climb up like a thirty foot tree to watch a game? Like a kid who's uh, too scared to like talk to strangers? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. The kid, that kid's got a lot of issues. Um, but uh, but yeah, so they, they climb up the tree or whatever, um, and so you see them running away, and they yeah they go through like a hole in the fence. Yeah. Uh, but my question is, so then when I f- realized that the tree was in the stadium, why if they snuck into the stadium, why did they just sit in the seats? <laughs> why were they in the tree if they already snuck in? It's like. I don't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, maybe it was on the stadium grounds, but like in the players' parking lot, and not <laughs> not in the uh, yeah. not in the actual stadium. Exactly. Yeah, it was like on like a an, a practice field or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So maybe that was it. But uh, so that kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, uh, so that happens, and then like they we sh- they cut to the clubhouse then afterwards, and like all the players are upset. Uh, we see we kind of like get introduced to a couple more of the players. Actually, there's that one guy, Maple. Maple. The, like, pretty boy who does, like, a rap. Yeah. He's like, we lose every game. The duh, 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 duh. Yeah. And, like, and then D- Danny Glover loves it, uh, yells at him. And I, like, took... I was going to write a note about him. I did. But, like, I'm like, oh, this guy will come back. He's one of the mix. And he never does. He, no. They might mention his name once, but, like, he's never a personality ever again in the, no. in the thing. Maybe, maybe maybe there were some uh, cuts made yeah. to the script. I think you do see him doing the angel wave at the end. Okay, but, yeah, like, yeah, no, he's never uh, he's never in there uh, again. Yeah. Um, so that's Maple. Yeah, you're introduced to, uh, was Derek Mesmer his name, the catcher? Uh, oh. Uh, the, uh, the fat guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the fat catcher. Yeah, yeah, fat guy. He, like, makes a remark about the food spread afterwards. Yeah, he's like, oh, they got the wrong kind of salami yeah exactly um, we meet uh mitchell uh who like i didn't i didn't catch his name early on uh, yeah ray mitchell yeah ray mitchell so yep. he's like he's like a latino player with like like a long jerry curl basically yeah and he, he's like a dead ringer for luis polonia do you he, remember luis polonia? I, I remember luis polonia i was also gonna say he sort of had a juan gonzalez uh look sort of going on with him with that like you remember when juan gonzalez didn't he have long I, hair at, for, at one point i could um yes i could see that but when you look at a picture of luis polonia that i'm thinking oh of, like, yes it's gonna totally it's gonna totally like outdo that like this i'm like all i could see was luis polonia yeah and so um i'll like we'll post some pictures of luis polonia like oh like right like, there yeah yes, like, yes. wet he has, just has like a wet mullet yeah <laughs> 100 yeah which is, i thought that was cool it's like all right they're they're like kind of like i mean it's like someone who like knew something about baseball is like yeah this guy we're gonna let's make this guy look exactly like luis polonia like some just like journeyman outfielder uh 
who um, you know just bounced around from different teams or whatever. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, at one point, they the players are going into the, the uh, locker room and they say something about like, yeah, you know, uh, we have such bad luck. We gotta we, we better start rubbing something else. Did you hear that? Oh. We better find something else to rub. Yeah, it's because they're they're hitting some pole or something like that. Yeah, like after okay. after the game, you know, like yeah. it's sort of like stepping over a foul line. Like there's a pole in the locker room and they're all hitting it. Okay. Um, and it was like, I mean, like, is that a masturbation joke right there? Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's kind of funny that Could, that was like, in there. Considering it was a poll, it maybe maybe you yeah know. they snuck that in there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. They, there's definitely something else to rub, is what they said. So um, yeah, so um, yeah. There's a rapping pretty boy. A lot of smoking. Um, does Danny Glover always have to yell in, in parts? Like, is that part of his shtick? Yeah, I mean, well, because he's like a, he's got a hoarse voice, yeah. but he can yell very yeah. forcefully. So you know, I, yeah, I, I I suppose Jeremy. I mean, he does it a lot in. Um, well, he I mean, he does it in the Lethal, Lethal Weapon, Weapon movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this was sort of a weird era for Danny Glover. Like he was doing this and Gone Fishing. You remember the movie oh, Gone God. Fishing? I did with not Joe... see it, but I know. Okay, of it, yeah. I saw it in theaters with my with my parents. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Yeah, but this right. was uh, sort of at the point of Danny Glover's career where he was like uh, accepting any role. Predator Two. Uh, Predator yeah. Two. You ever see Predator Two? I have seen Predator. Yeah, too. yeah. He plays Lieutenant Mike Harrigan. Uh, you know, can't kill what can't be killed. Can't <laughs> is, see what can't be seen. Yeah, is that uh, that's uh, King? Uh, what is it? Uh, King Willie? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah he, like the, that, the yeah. voodoo priest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, and he's like truly great when they ask, uh, like when Danny Glover asks him what the uh, Predator's like power is like. Yeah, Jeremy, we're on the same page. You know, a lot of people like rip on Predator Two, or they're like, yeah, they, they, if Danny Glover can kill a, a Predator, anybody. Can. But like you know, you haven't. If you say that you haven't watched Predator Two in a while, because Danny Glover's a fucking badass in that movie. Yeah. And you know, yeah. come to think of it, this might have been like the movie he did right after Predator Two, because I think Predator <laughs> yeah. Two was like ninety two, ninety three. So yeah. I All right. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Um. So yeah, like uh, there's a one part where like, he like he like flips over the food spread yep. at one point. He hits like the bat rack and the bats go flying. Yeah. And it hits um. What's the guy's name? Uh, Whit Bass. Whit Bass. Uh, played yeah. by Neil McDonough, another yeah. another uh, actor who was in his first uh, his first big role. Neil McDonough is always playing like assholes in yeah. movies, um, yeah. so this is very different for him. This is a clownish type of role for him. Yeah, you and Jack. To your credit, you called that guy out by name. That's pretty impressive. Oh yeah, say. he's like the bad guy in Walking Tall. He's in like Jeremy. Like when you look at his IMDb credits uh, later, you'll be like, holy shit! Yeah, this guy is in a, a ton of stuff. Yeah, so, no, yeah. For, for sure. So he gets hit in the head with a bat. Yeah, and. Then he starts like talking gibberish or whatever, and like the guy's clearly concussed. Yeah, we I mean, didn't talk about that. But. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, did, uh, did they put like, like, is that what Gene Segura was doing after Ryan Braun hit him with a bat in the <laughs> yeah, dugout? Exactly. Like, maybe, you know, yeah. who knows? So, um, so yeah, so the, the, there's like this whole clubhouse argument. Danny Glover goes crazy, and then he has to give a post game interview on the field. Uh, with Ranch with Wilder. Ra- Ranch Wilder, played by an actor I know I've seen before but can't place. I, I um, gotta say, yeah, uh, Neil McDonough, yep. uh, uh, the guy who plays Ranch Wilder. These guys all look like 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 uh, ensemble members from like the Drew Carey show or something. Yeah, like, they all had sure. like that look of being on like an ABC sitcom in the mid nineties. Yeah, or something. yeah, and the, the guy who plays Ranch Wilder looks like a more handsome Robert Wool. Yeah, I can um, or see like that. Robert yeah. Wool could be like his like uglier brother. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, he uh, he Knox goes full Mickey Calloway on uh, Ranch Wilder, and <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he punches him. Yeah. So like, and then there's a, a scene later. We could get to this, but like, uh, you know, they they say that he only got for these two incidents, he was only fined five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he would have been fired for either yeah. one of those. Yeah, and Punching, yet the only- like yeah, getting a, a physical altercation with his own player. 
which led to a brawl, punching the team announcer. Like, these are major offenses. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Calloway was fined 50 grand, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for his outburst at the reporter. Well, I so. suppose, yeah, when you take inflation into account, yeah, it's sure. about the same thing, quite uh, especially with managerial salaries. But, yeah. Quite quite uh, quite possibly. So, um, so, yeah, that happens. Just this bizarre, like, on-field interview. We are introduced to, um, like, the assistant character like at this point yeah he's like a, a, a director of media operations is for that, the angels yeah something like that played uh, by the the great taylor negron yeah, the great taylor negron uh jeremy taylor negron is acting his ass off in this movie yeah like he yeah. gives a he actually gives a great perf- like funny performance yeah he does he sells it pretty well like yeah. for a guy who like did some kind of cool movies i would say like he uh you know he wasn't he didn't seem like he was felt too good to be in uh, this movie, and uh, you know he, yeah, he he does a good job for it. Um, he's uh, dressed in like this like this like suit and these like round glasses, and he has like a PDA in his hand, like yeah. Uh, um, uh, and so like yeah, he's like total kind of just like nerd nerdy like kind of kiss ass kind of guy, or yeah, whatever, like like chump. Basically. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, but we're introduced to him there, like yeah, I love Taylor Negron, R.I.P. Um, yes, absolutely. You, you ever just, see Vegas Vacation, Jeremy? Uh, I've seen it, but uh, he's, got, he's got a he's got a cameo in Vegas Vacation. Okay. He plays a guy who's like behind a, a one of those like buf- food buffet counters. He's like a cook, oh. and he says to Chevy Chase, "He goes, this isn't chicken, this is chicken." Want some? Uh, best part of Vegas Vacation. But yeah, nice. Taylor Negron is great, Jeremy. Um, he's, he's another one of those actors. This movie's full of them. Uh, this yeah. movie's full of them that, like, uh, you know, you some maybe you if you don't know uh, a lot about, like, actors' names, you can't really place. Yeah. So he was one of the, always been one of those guys for me. Something good to have the IMDb up. He's in my favorite movie of all time, uh, Better Off Dead. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, right on. He plays the mailman uh, who delivers uh, Badger's smutty uh, book on how to pick up trashy women. Okay, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely, yeah, love love that guy. Um, so uh, yeah, moving right along. Um, so we then we move, we cut back to the uh, the foster home, and uh, we are introduced to um, uh, the third friend, the third kid living yeah. at the ho- home. Uh, what was his name? Uh, I think it was named Miguel. Miguel, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Miguel is just a fucking asshole. He's a the other- shithead. Yeah, he's a little shithead. Yeah, he's like giving JP shit. He's like, this isn't uh, when when like uh, 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 Brenda Fricker uh, is What's, that her name? Yeah, yeah. She yeah when, Jello. Yeah, when she brings out Jello, he's like, no, it's actually just cat brains with food coloring. Yeah, and like JP takes it seriously. Yeah. Um, he, he's like giving those, giving them shit at night, and he's giving JP shit about like wetting the bed. Yeah. Um, Does this happen every day with these people? Yeah. Like, what a fucking shitty existence. Yes. But so yeah, so like, um, and he's like a lot older than the other two kids. Like, he's this got Miguel, a mustache. Yeah, he's kid. got. A, he's like fifteen or sixteen years <laughs> yeah. old, and you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's probably supposed to be ten or eleven, and JP is like seven. So it's like he's like a an older teenager, like picking on these two little kids. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so uh, anyway, we are also, I should say at this point, like, um, JP's kind of refrain or catchphrase, which is like, what, what is it? Is it could happen. It could happen. So he says this at some point when they're like all going to bed or whatever. Yeah. And it's like maybe the third, maybe the fourth time in the movie that uh, he says it is already as annoying as fuck. Yes. And uh, he says it about 15 times in the movie. Yeah. I couldn't, I honestly. I, JP was getting on my last nerves. I almost don't blame Miguel for for giving him such a hard time. But Miguel was uh, a bona fide shithead for yeah. sure. Um, so uh, so yeah. So they uh, go to bed. That's where Joseph Gordon Levitt prays uh, to to God. Uh, yeah. 
for uh, you know his family to get back together. Jeremy, uh, and, yeah, and more specifically, he 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 prays uh, for that to happen. He prays for the Angels to win the pennant. Yeah, believe, exactly. Right? Uh, Jeremy, I used to pray for the Brewers to win the pennant when I was a little okay, kid. Okay. Uh, needless to say, it still has not worked. That it's it's true. Um, I mean, I was I prayed for like the Cubs like probably up until like you know maybe 2016 like, <laughs> uh, you know late October 2016 <laughs> yeah um, right but uh, but yeah so like he, he prays and I, I gotta say um, he he makes a note of praying to like to like to acknowledge that God is could be a woman yeah in this movie so like and he does it twice. He says, you know, uh, I don't know if you're an old guy or a woman or something. He says something, some kind of woman. And then he says, a man. And he's like, or a woman. Uh, so, like, I'm like, that's interesting. It's it's surprisingly progressive. Um, I don't know if, like, you know, there was, I know in the early 90s there was, like, this, like, there was, like, kind of, like, the women's lib character, like, the Jesse Spano from, like, Saved by the Bell. Yeah. So maybe it was inspired by that somehow. I'm trying to think of, like, what was going on exactly at that time. Sure. But maybe, like, the, you know, they got pressured to... This was before the Joan Osborne What If God Was One of Us or yeah. whatever. Um, and I think she she talks about God being a woman. Maybe there's another song that, where they do that that I can't think of right now. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. That was an interesting note. Um, so then, uh, then we get Danny Glover um, uh, meeting with the owner... Yeah, um, so the owner is played by the great actor Ben Johnson. Uh, some of you may know him. I believe he won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for The Last Picture Show. Oh, okay. um, he plays Sam the Lion. I'm not sure if he won for that. But yeah, he was a really great uh, actor in a lot of westerns uh, in, you know, the well the, well before the 70s. You know, probably from the, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s. So great actor. It was re- I didn't remember him being in this movie at all. So it was cool, okay. to, cool to see his name in there. Um, and, you know, you can see how he might give a good performance in a movie movie even though he's sort of just the old owner who's like skeptical in this one yeah for sure he plays kind of like a like a cowboy slash like texas tycoon yeah you could imagine him being like an oil mogul yeah well i think it was modeled after gene autry Okay. Uh, the singing cowboy yeah. actor um, who actually owned the Angels at one I point. I did not know that Gene Autry owned the Angels. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I think that uh, I think that there was something in there, like there it was a nod to G- the actual Gene Autry. Yeah. Or, or maybe part of them getting the rights to to be the Angels is that you have, must have a Gene Autry type in the movie. Or <laughs> I, I don't know, but I gotta say his office was like grossly ornate with like these like gold like like there was all these this like ornate like uh, f- like decoration in his office and like it didn't jive with his like texas tycoon style i didn't think Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like they always have to like decorate someone's office like with all this like fancy stuff to to prove that he's rich or whatever yeah i mean you'd think there'd be a cow skull in there somewhere that's what i would think so yeah something like that um uh maybe like a piece of like a sagebrush in the corner or something but uh (laughs) but so at some point there's a plot point that's revealed in that in that scene where like uh knox was like slid into uh yeah and he tore up his knee and it, it ruined his career. Yeah, so he was slid into... He was spiked by uh, Ranch Wilder, yeah, the announcer. That They never, like... That comes up in that scene, but then never really between the two of them. Like, there's never a face-to-face where he's like, you wrecked my career. And he's like, your career was already going downhill or something. It's like, yeah. again, maybe that was cut out, but it's like... It, it would If they had a moment where they were both in the scene and they acknowledged that, it would have helped carry the weight of their feud a lot further. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it was to obviously just done to, like, give Danny Glover some sort of, like, a, a tragic backstory. Yeah. Um, uh, Later but- on, we see he's, like, looking through his 
personal effects, and he had won the the MVP in yeah. 1979. Yeah, which was the year that I believe Willie Stargell won it. Oh, nice. So then I was wondering, like, is is um, Knox supposed to be like? Is he supposed to be like George Foster because he was like on the Reds, or was he supposed to be like Willie Stargell because he won the because he was like the best player in 1979? I don't know. Yeah, or maybe he was like the uh, what? What's the name of the guy that uh, Pete Rose? Uh, Bar- oh, Ray Bar- Fossey. Ray Fossey. Maybe, yeah. maybe Knox, who was a, was a catcher, is supposed to be yeah. like Ray Fossey. But, but Ranch Wilder is not Pete Rose. No. Um, it, the Ranch Wilder character is underdeveloped, and it, it doesn't quite make sense. No, it, it doesn't make sense because like he's uh, he's like a player, but he's the play-by-play guy. And that's, that's yeah. not how that works. No, unless you're the White Sox with Ed Farmer on the radio. <laughs> sure. But. But um, but yeah, usually the, he's the color guy. Yeah, it would obviously it would yeah honestly it would be reversed because there's like kind of like that bookish nerdy guy who's like the color guy. Uh, but Ranch Wilder is always muting him. Yeah, uh, like because they yeah they have access to their their like mic their uh, microphone inputs or whatever. So he's always muting this guy. Um, yeah, you'd think it would be the other way around. But um, but yeah, also Ranch Wilder is like obsessed with stats. Also too, he's always like trying to like have stats ready and he's always mad there's like a stats girl in the booth um <clears throat> and like i gotta say that i think that i was i was i was kind of like i was kind of like impressed by like you know a, a young stats woman like who was like you know all about just getting the stats together yeah and it wasn't as easy back in 1994 you know oh, they didn't have book. they yeah. didn't have yeah she had a book they didn't have google or anything like yeah. that so she had to look everything up at one point uh, there's a there's a substitution in the game and it was handed to ranch wilder on a piece of paper yeah. Which is interesting that that's how like he found out about a substitution. Yeah, you know, you think he would know the players better than that because uh, yeah, yeah it, it's when Hemmerling uh, pinch hits. Yeah, yeah. So we'll yeah. get to that scene, but uh, but yeah. So um, uh, yeah, they basically um, uh, he has that meeting with the the owner, and then they, they that thing is revealed. Whatever. Then there's a scene later on, uh, right after that, with uh, Danny Glover talking to. Uh, uh, Knox trying to get off the injured list. Quote the quote injured list. Oh yeah, Tony Danza when Tony Danza yeah. is talking to uh, to Knox. Yeah, uh, yeah. and, and uh, Mel so, Clark. Yeah, Mel Clark. So Tony yeah. Danza's name is uh, Mel Clark in this movie. And uh, yeah, so he it, so first of all they called the injured list, Jeremy, yeah. which was uh, twenty five years before they actually started calling it that. Yeah, a bit of uh, like for like you know seeing into the future for the screenwriter. Yeah, maybe. that that's that's an that was obviously an intentional choice. I think that they figured it that. The word "injured" would just be more uh, accessible for people who like didn't follow baseball. Yeah, sure. Um, and so they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's talking about the injured list." Uh, I had remembered Tony Danza having a much bigger role in this movie yeah. than he actually ended yeah, he, up having. He doesn't. I I I thought he did too. And actually, yeah. for a second there, I thought that Tony Danza was the dad. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it's yeah. He's all told, he doesn't have that huge of a role. Yeah, and so so basically, the the whole like uh, crux of this scene is like uh, the the tension between Knox and Mel Clark. Yeah, and so like they give they give Tony Danza like <laughs> this weird and like inexplicable backstory that's again completely dropped. Yeah, where like. Danny Glover, back when they were both with the Reds, like, five years ago, like, yeah. Danny Glover was his manager, and, like, Danny Glover was, like, giving him pain pills to, like, yeah. help with an injury, yes. and then so, so like, uh, those pain pills messed Tony Danza up, but then Tony Danza was like, you gave me all those pain pills, and then Danny Glover was like, well, you're the one, well, you're the one, I'm not gonna do a Danny Glover impression, but he's like, he's like, well, you're the one who decided to swallow him, yeah. so, like, but, like... <laughs> 
that, that Danny Glover kind of comes off as a bad person there. It's yeah, like, I would think so a little bit. Yeah. 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 So I didn't understand, like, and, and then it's never mentioned again, but, no. like, I didn't understand, uh, I didn't understand that part, Jeremy. Yeah, no, it was weird. I think he said, like, you were shoving pain pills down my throat or something. Yeah. Like, You're the one who swallowed them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of weird. So um, we do see, that's where we're introduced to Adrian Brody, finally. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's, like, the classic Brooklyn guy. He's like, hey, coach, uh, well, you know, don't worry out there or like it's during the national anthem or something yeah like uh danny glover starts to cry but he says no i just got some sunscreen in my eye or whatever yeah he's like yeah coach after all these years the national anthem still gets me you know yep no i just had sunscreen in my eye or whatever it's like okay whatever yeah um uh so so that happens um Whit Bass uh, does come into the game, yeah, and uh, he comes into the game and he slides into ho- uh, into the pitcher's mound. Yes, he does. Which was a move that was used by Heath Bell, the closer for the pot. Was that his name Heath Bell, yeah. the closer for the yeah. Padres? Yeah. When he came into an All Star game, he did that. He like ran into the into the game and he slid like in the grass right in front of the dirt. Would this have been before or after Angels in the Outfield? Probably oh, after, right? No, no, well, no, this was in like 2012 yeah, or something. Yeah, this was well after, yeah. Yeah, so another move that was like later <laughs> copied in real life, that one seemed like, like he looked like an idiot doing it and he tore up a big divot in the infield grass and I think it was in Arizona maybe. Okay. And like I was thinking like, the, whoever the grounds crew is like must like hate this fucking must guy. Must pissed off. Yeah, at it's him. like yeah. you usually don't have to repair a divot in the infield grass. Yeah. Um. So that was probably pretty annoying for the grounds crew. Um. And he did it just to be funny, but it's like it wasn't funny. It just looked dumb. And he's like <laughs> a big fat guy and whatever. It was it was stupid. So um. But it was like totally like wit bass style uh, from Angels in the Outfield. So so there you go. Um. They show a lot of wit bass's like um uh, histrionics, like a lot of his like uh, mannerisms. Yeah. And I'm thinking totally like this was modeled after Turk Wendell of the Cubs. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. yeah. Turk um, Wendell used to like jump over the foul line when he came off the field. He would brush his teeth in between innings. Yeah. He wore like this like weird like puka shell necklace or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, he was a weird guy and so like I feel like they just like lifted his uh his mannerisms for the Whit Bass character. Right, yeah, like Whit Bass, like he hits every part of his body with the rosin bag and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's actually right. some funny clowning for like a, a pitcher to do. It's like Neil yeah. McDonough is actually giving a pretty good performance as this character. Yeah. Um, he, but it was a lot of, it was a character he could have a lot of fun with, I yeah. would say. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, so then uh, this is where we finally like get like the uh, divine intervention, if you will, where mm-hmm. the angels finally start to. Uh, uh, intervene in the games yeah. or whatever. And so the outfielder, uh, Matthew McConaughey, forget what his player name is, he goes running out for... Ben a, Williams. Ben Williams? Yeah. Okay. So he goes running for a, a fly ball, a deep fly ball, and uh, an angel lifts him up and carries him in like a, you know, an odd way. Like carries him high up in the air and he makes the catch. And everyone is like, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, including himself, they like are later watching game film, and, and Matthew McConaughey he almost gives like a precursor to like his interest or his like true uh, detective performance. He's like, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> it's kind of like you saw that glimpse of like that award, that Oscar-winning Matthew McConaughey, right? Um, that would happen like whatever, fifteen years later or whatever. But um, uh, and like they do like um, they do like this dolly zoom, like the like classic like Alfred Alfred Hitchcock or like. Goodfellas, or like in uh, they do it in uh, Jaws when uh, Roy Scheider sees Jaws the first time. Yes, that dolly zoom where like the background like kind of closes in on the character. Like they do it for when jo- all these like tense like scenes, and they also did when Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees like 
him make the catch or whatever. They do it a couple times, actually. Uh, so I thought that was an odd cinematic choice, <laughs> like a very heavy cinematic choice. Um, but uh, I got to say, like, so Matthew McConaughey, like, he takes off running, and he, like, runs for fucking ever yeah. for this ball. And I'm like... I'm like, are these guys all like Jim Edmonds, like playing like classically shallow in the outfield, so they can make great catches? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was also thinking to call back from last week, like this, because this happens every, this happens multiple times where the outfielders are just running and running and running and running for the for a foul ball that's over their head. Like they could have used Dave Clark from the uh, from the Tigers to to do a little outfield positioning. Yeah, right. You know, like because they're classically playing in the whole time. It's like. You need Dave. You need Dave Clark out there on the top step, like with his card and like fanning him <laughs> back, back, back. Because uh, it was just it was a it was a joke how much they had to run back uh, for the for the balls. Um, another thing, so like we should say too, like so this this starts happening in the game. Uh, JP and Roger are at the game. Yep. And they're are they with or are they just sitting next to this like Palooka guy, this like big oaf? Yeah. So they're not they're not with him. Uh, okay. They, they're just they're just sitting next to him. Like okay. he seems like a guy you would see at a White Sox game. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because yes, he's he's honestly. at multiple games. He's clearly at every game. Yeah. Yeah. Just sitting in the bleachers. He's got his beer. He's got like a, uh, a blue a cu- tank top. Yeah, on. Yeah. Sleeveless shirt or something. Yeah. And, like just like sweaty and like he's got a big gap in his teeth. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a, he looks like a yokel. And um, uh, yeah, he like is telling the kids like they suck or something. I don't know. He says something. He says something like salty to the kids. Or yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so that happens. Uh, and then after the Angels actually uh, intervene, Christopher Lloyd shows up and he uh, you know starts now. He's the angel. He's Al the Angel. Yep. Um, and he's wearing an American League umpire's hat mm-hmm. that says Al on it. Yeah. And it almost made me wonder like, did they just call him Al because? They had these hats, you know, and it's just like a cheap way to like save on costuming or whatever. Yeah, I was wondering because like uh, other than that, there's really no reason for him to be named Al. No, like it was just it was just convenient. Angel, um, I don't know. Yeah, I gotta say something about Christopher Lloyd's uh, uh, costume for the movie. Uh, how sweet would it be to be in like an actor? You hear about like actors having to like get in a costume if they have to wear like makeup. They have to like get in the makeup chair like four hours early sometimes to get like crazy like prosthetics or whatever. Christopher Lloyd's costume consisted of a white t-shirt and blue jeans and that hat. So <laughs> what a sweet gig, like, to, to have that as his costume or whatever. Yeah. They yeah, probably yeah. let him wear his own shirt and jeans <laughs> in the movie or whatever. So that'd be pretty sweet, I would say. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. I don't think I've told it on the podcast. Okay. But I was uh, I was at the export in uh, at Piper's Alley right by Second City. Uh-huh. I, was, I was working out there, and Christopher Lloyd was working no out there way. right next really? to me. Yeah. No way. Yeah, he was right next to me. So, uh, so, so he was working out, but like I didn't really. It, I was like, oh, that guy looks a lot like Christopher Lloyd. That's kind of weird. But I didn't think anything of it, and no one was going up to him. Holy so crap. then, uh, then a, fr- uh, a guy I knew who I did Second City with, who was also just like working out there at the same time, uh, uh, comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, did you see? Did you see Christopher Lloyd here?" I was like, "Is that really Christopher Lloyd?" And then we, we so we were both like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, we think it is." So then we went up to another guy who we didn't know who was working out. We're like, "Hey, do you think that's Christopher Lloyd?" And the guy was like, "Nah." So then, like, so then uh, uh, a little later, like, we go up to the front desk people and we're like, "Hey." Is that was Christopher Lloyd working out here? And one of the girls who must have been new was like, "Yeah." And then another guy who'd been there for a while was like, "No, no, like don't don't say that." Like so, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd uh, has an export membership. Uh, that is so weird. Or at least did this was like five or six years ago. Was was he there for a show or something? I think that he uh, he produces a sh- here he he produced a show that was like being shot in Chicago at the time. I forget which show it was. Um, and I'm, I'm I think he might have like a home here. 
but yeah, it was very weird. odd. He was very tall. Um, and, you know, this was five years ago. You figure uh, however old he is, he might be 80 years old now, minus five. Yeah. But uh, he looked he looked really good. Like, he, he looked great. So <laughs> okay. he's, still, he's still doing, um, you know, probably still doing good. He's one of those guys who, like, looked old forever. And then once it catches up to him, he just looks normal for like his age yeah he's like morgan freeman or something right yeah, yeah. christopher lloyd i remember even the first movie I, I saw him in or uh not the first movie i saw him in but i think the oldest movie i can remember him being in he's in one flew over the cuckoo's nest oh yeah, um, yeah and he looks sure. he looks old in that movie yeah, yeah um definitely. You ever, did you ever watch the show taxi jeremy uh so, like not not religious i've seen parts because he was in that yeah, right yeah, was, was sure. tony danza in taxi he was, too he yeah was, okay so yeah. A, ta- a taxi reunion a lot then. of connections there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um maybe like they they did have, didn't have a casting director and they're just like who could we hire like who do we know like, well so. i was i was watching taxi last night so let's <laughs> yeah, get let's yeah, exactly. get these guys um yeah, yeah uh, okay so yeah christopher lloyd shows up he kind of lays down uh, the rules basically number one rule is that no one can see him in the angels but uh yeah. roger yeah exactly yeah and there's a moment there's a funny gag there where like that like fucking uh like sleazeball like scuzz bucket sits down on top of christopher lloyd and so for a minute there christopher lloyd like merges with his body yeah and so it's at some point it's like the body of the the palooka but christopher lloyd's face and like the cgi was actually fairly decent i would it say it was for 1994 yeah yeah, yeah. like um it kind of had like a sega cd look to it a little bit sure when the angels were flying if you understand if you can if you can picture that if you're old enough to <laughs> to have owned a sega cd uh <laughs> system like it had that 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 um that that uh, whatever aesthetic to it or mm-hmm. whatever. So so anyway, um, so yeah, so things carry on. Um, at the next thing that they do is the, an- the angels uh, help uh, the the catcher guy hit a home run. Basically, yes, uh, yeah, Derek Mesmer. Okay, uh, yeah, I think it's his name. And it's a walk off homer. It, it is a walk off homer. Yeah, yeah they yeah. win it. Um, I thought it was cool. He actually hits um, a billboard, a crash test dummies billboard. Oh, nice. Which was like, um, that was kind of like a total like sign of the times. Like the crash test dummies were like a popular commercial yep. at that time. And they actually got like a cartoon and everything. Um, and uh, there was a band that... That was named... Yeah, I was going to say uh, the a band. Um, also, so this Derek Mesmer's uh, home run was a broken bat home run. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the bat like explodes. And yeah. it's like... I guess that's like a f- cool visual, but it's like you would never like Bryce Harper hit a broken bat he homer did. or whatever. Yep. I was I gonna bring that up, yeah. Um, but but <laughs> like but like traditionally, like a broken bat means that the ball's gonna go less far than yep. it should have. Mm-hmm. But they just had it explode. Also, the ball exploded, which also would stop it from flying as far as it did. But yeah, whatever. Um, but it happened. Uh, so that happens. Then uh, there's inexplicably like a photo op situation. Uh, for like, if your if your ticket number was called to get a photo on the field with uh, with Knox, yeah, the manager, and like, there's a woman behind Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and she says like, "That's no prize" or whatever, and then walks off. Yeah. Um. But uh, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets picked. He gets his photo with Danny Glover, and like, they do a funny gag where like Danny Glover doesn't want to take the photo with him, and like. Um, so he's like he puts his like hand on on the kid and like the photographer goes like this looks like a prison photo yeah or whatever yep uh, which they call back later they uh, do JP looks at the photo uh, and he says this looks like a prison photo yeah I that's probably the funny like well that's one of the funniest things in the whole movie I would say it's like yeah. it's a good joke that uh-huh. they put in there um, but uh, is that the moment um, where yeah that's the moment where um, he uh, he tell so he tells uh, Danny Glover that. The angels helped um, the angel. The you know real angels helped the 
baseball angels win the game. Yep. Danny Glover thinks he's crazy. He actually says, like, don't we vet these kids or whatever, which is yeah. kind of funny. Um, and uh, so that's a whole thing. Um, he goes home. Um, and he talks to Brenda Fricker, Maggie, and uh, he says he tells her about the angels too. He asks her if she believes in angels, and she says like yeah or whatever. And Joseph Gordon goes like yeah, me too. And he like gives this like he gives like that a Joseph Gordon Levitt look from the future, like yeah, the same kind of look that I hated him for doing. Sure, he gives her like that that like that look. It might have been his first cinematic Jogo look, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so. Uh, they um uh he starts uh danny glover starts like i believe he starts talking to like different players yeah about, he, he like, tries he tries to investigate like what happened yeah um, exactly so that yeah that, that's why i think that's when he goes over the clips with matthew mcconaughey that's yeah. when he talks to uh the catcher mesmer and Me- yeah. you know mesmer's always making jokes about food you yeah know? he's like oh yeah i think it was something in that third chili dog i ate before <laughs> the game yeah exactly um yeah and he, he like makes his spread from his from the food and he like dumps like m&ms on his plate and stuff. yeah he's too fat yeah, he made him too fat. Yep, <laughs> he's too fat for an off like a, a an offensive lineman, and yes. he's like the catcher. Yeah, they just went a little too overboard with his character a little bit. They, yeah, they did. But um, so then okay, so then uh, uh, Danny Glover shows up at Jogo's house. With the photos that they took, that was like that was game. the photos were his like excuse to show up at uh, at Roger's house. Yeah, yeah, and so he's like talking to Fricker or whatever about like um, you know. Uh, you know about Joseph Gordon-Levitt like what's his story and then and like he's in the house already and they're waiting for Joseph Gordon-Levitt to show up and and it's and just when they show up Brenda Fricker starts going like why are you really here or whatever to see it's like you didn't ask that question before you let him into the house like yeah and clearly she has no idea anything about the angels like I would think maybe if someone uh, if like Joe, Joe Madden showed up at someone's house someone would be like Hey, you're the Cubs manager, yeah. aren't you? Or if they didn't know who he was, like when he introduced himself as the manager of the Chicago Cubs, yeah. which is what Knox does, they'd he be does. like, oh, oh, Jesus Christ, okay. Yeah. You know, that'd be like if, if somebody, you know, pick a sport, any sport. Like, you know, even if you don't know who the Green Bay Packers are, like, you know, if you live in Wisconsin, you know, if uh, Mike, well, not Mike McCarthy anymore, but <laughs> yeah. if he showed up at your house, you'd be like, holy shit, like you're the coach of the Green Bay Packers. So yeah. that's, like a, that's like a big thing, yeah. uh, uh, a very like inaccessible, person like showing up at your house and it just doesn't even register with Brenda Fricker that this is happening no no not at all so it, it's it's odd um he so they finally get back from the game or whatever um and I was also thinking like how many fucking games does this kid go to he yeah some more games than we do Jack it, and we go to a lot of games yeah he, he does um I mean don't I don't know if I guess it's summer Jeremy I don't yeah. know like I, I don't these kids go to camp or don't they have anything else to do during the day there's a part to- where they seem like they're playing they're, they're they're doing homework and then they like hide it once Brenda Fricker walks out of the room they hide it to look at the newspaper like the sports page yeah it's like I think they're supposed to be doing some kind of work and they're not yeah they're just going into games and, every day uh, yeah and that's a later scene but I'm not sure why they're hiding the fact that like you it's know news- they're reading a newspaper yeah. from her yeah uh, anyway. I don't know um, so, so that happens um, he visits the house and then like they talk more about the angels or whatever and then he uh, I guess he kind of like he believes that it actually happened. Like now he's starting to believe in the mojo a little bit. So he invites them to another game, another game. Yep. Um, and uh, he pretty much like he like they show up at the game and like he tells Taylor Negron to like wade hand on foot on these kids or whatever. Yeah. Give them whatever they want because they're good luck charms. And it leads to this whole uh, like uh, sequence where like JP like gets ketchup on Taylor Negron's suit. Then he spills a soda on him. 
He sits on a he sits on a thing of nachos. Yeah, and then they get all over his butt. Yeah, they like, showed they show his like full nacho ass. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just like this like they must have made it like like made the nacho cheese like like more sticky or whatever. And like yeah. they show his ass with like these not this gross like cheese and nachos hanging off of his ass, which is pretty graphic, I would say. Yeah, and then it's actually so throughout the rest of the movie, like uh, at one point, um, Taylor Negron is basically wearing like a beekeeper's outfit to yeah. like you know keep him away from like all of the ketchup and mustard yeah. spray that he's getting on him. There's a point where like he's he he's wearing this yeah this like this like see through like poncho like beekeeper thing or whatever, and the the he has a has a hood on and it's like all steamy and con- and there's condensation and he's dripping sweat and like. I think that that was real, probably. Yeah, it was like, probably hot. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, again, Taylor Negron like kind of laying it out on the line. Jack, there's one scene uh, when they're at the game where they show Ranch Wilder in the uh, booth, and he's looking through a pair of uh, binoculars, and um, they're talking about uh, like this new like spark that the team has or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, uh, the team looks bouncy," uh, and like. He says the word bouncy, and like they look, they show what he's looking at through his uh, binoculars, and he's looking at these like hot college coeds like jumping up and down. Yeah, basically. that was a little incongruous for a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. About baseball. Yeah, clearly yeah. talking about their their breasts bouncing up and down. Yes. So, um, so yeah, that was that was an odd moment, and definitely like creepy for sure. Um, uh, so. Yeah, so you know, um, they leave. Uh, Taylor Negron and the kid leave, I guess, to go like clean up or get food or whatever. And then uh, Danny Glover comes back. Um, he's kind of uh, uh, talking to the kid again, and we see um, we see now, uh, or at least Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees an angel massaging ham- Hammerling. Yeah, Adrian Brody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is is before that when he uh, he tells uh, Danny Glover not to swear so much. I, yeah, it's somewhere around there. Yeah, he tells him like the angels aren't helping because uh, he's he's swearing too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, can I give you my favorite Danny Glover line from Predator Two? Oh yeah, it's for uh, sure. You ripping my dick off and fucking me in the ass with it. Uh, so that, that's uh, that's the best. I'm not sure if the mic picked that up because it was very quiet. But uh, that's yeah. the best uh, Danny Glover line from Predator Two. So this is a man who's not a burst. The swearing in his other movies. No, for um, sure not. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So he's massaging. Uh, so the angel is massaging uh, uh, Adrian Brody's back. His character's name is uh, Hammerling. Yeah. Um, and so Danny Glover's like, uh, you know, you want me to replace my uh, my my best hitter with my worst hitter? Yeah. Because he wants Hammerling to pinch hit for Ray for, Mitchell. For Mitchell, yeah. Here's my question: Was yeah. this whole conversation between uh, Jogo and Danny Glover about pinch hitting uh, Adrian Brody for this player? Was it happening during a pitching change? <laughs> yeah. uh, because like, if it wasn't, that guy was in the uh, the Ray Mitchell was in the on deck circle for a long time. Yeah. Like, who was he? Bryce Harper? Like, taking <laughs> such a long time to fucking step into yeah. the batter's box? Yeah, totally. And well, here's the thing too. Like, I I believe they said like. The Angels have their best hitter leading off. Yeah. So he was leading off. So couldn't he have just hit after Mitch, uh, Mitchell? Like, yeah. If Mitchell is so good, odds are he'll get on base. And then then you can get a hammerling on with the guy on base or whatever. Yeah. So he was leading off the inning? I'm pretty sure they said, like, they have the their best hitter leading off. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. They also showed um, Mitchell's, like... Uh, average on the board, and I think he was hitting like either three fifteen or three twenty five. Oh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty yeah. good, yeah. even for a bad team. Yep, it's like um, so, so yeah. So we'll talk about him uh, later on, but like, but yeah. So they have to they substitute him, and so uh, Mitchell comes into the dugout and like just trashes the dugout because he got he got pulled, which. 
rightfully so. Yeah. I, I believe it. Um, and uh, the uh, the the announcer Wilder says um, he's he's pinch hitting uh, Mitchell for hammerling, and, and then he yells, "Go back to Cincinnati." And so, like, is he talking about Glover, or was was Hammerling also in Cincinnati? <laughs> Did he like bring all these guys over, like like Theo and Jed brought over all these like former Red Sox prospects and Padres guys? Like, like, do they were they just getting their guys, or, or was right. he talking about Glover? I don't right. know. No, I I think he was referring to Glover, but yeah. uh, you know, it is funny when they mention Hammerling. They're like, yeah, he's known for his glove, but not for his bat. It's like, oh, that that's yeah. what you always say about a guy who can't hit. Yeah, like, you for say sure. that he he's known for his glove. Yeah. So. Um, so he gets a an infield squibber that like the angel. Then in in this weird s- sequence where like Christopher Lloyd is in the outfield, like in the deep outfield, like on the warning track with a ball, and he's like moving it around. And as he and in like a Svengali sort of way, yeah, he like moves this like uh, the ball around, and then the real ball in play is like going. It's all, it never leaves the infield, and it's like bouncing off of. They're playing the athletics, and it's bouncing off like their hat and like. Uh, on the ground and like they keep going for it and they keep missing it and like uh, Adrian Brody runs around the whole bases and gets an infield inside the park homer basically <laughs> inside the park abomination yeah uh, as exactly. Prince as as Prince Fielder's uh, inside the park home run was called <laughs> by uh, a Milwaukee columnist yeah um, nice. but yeah so that so then after that whole sequence. Uh, like on the scoreboard, you see like the errors going up, and it goes yeah. up to like nineteen errors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Jeremy, I was just thinking, if we, however many errors were, were actually in that play, uh, yeah. it would be like a scorer's nightmare for us trying to like score it. That's true. It would be. I, I would say that the official score. My note was that the official score should be fired because you can't have seventeen or nineteen errors on one play. It's like no. you would give like three errors for like, each base for each that base. he got. Yeah. yeah. The thing is I will say though, the the scoring nightmare that kind of threw me for loop is like if he re- so he would he reached on an error, then yeah, you would have to give him four errors for like getting to each base and you would just have to pick one guy to attribute it to. Yeah. But I was like my question was like how do how do you mark him getting on base to begin with? Because it's not usually if there's an in, infield or inside the park homer with an error, it's usually a triple plus an error. Yep. So I'm like, well, this, he reached base on an error, so like he like reached base on an error and then error to second, error to third, error to home. I guess. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, to get technical with that scene for no, for a second. No, uh, it's another situation where uh, Ranch Wilder gets mad for not having the stats. Right. He's like, uh, who? There was some errors in there. I don't care how many. Like, we need to know who made them or something yep. like that. Yeah. It was just an odd like 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 uh, clinging to like the numbers for some reason. <laughs> Um, so, uh, after the game, they walk out, they, they talk to, uh, Danny Glover and this is where it's revealed that like, so JP won't get in Danny Glover's car to get a ride home yeah. because it's revealed that JP lived in a car with his mom. Yeah. Basically. I, I like, I like how like they just gradually reveal these things like about these kids' lives that are like fucked up, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, it just, it just gets dark. So Danny Glover takes him home like in the team bus. In the team bus, he yeah. Dri- Danny Glover drives the team he bus. He knows how home. to drive a bus. Yep. Yeah. And the bus is incidentally a piece of shit. It's a big <laughs> hunk of junk. Yeah, it's it's like the <laughs> the joke in Major League yeah. where they're like driving in like a shitty bus and a shitty plane. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, one one more thing about the uh, the errors uh, before we move on in the athletics thing. You know what that play kind of reminded me of, Jeremy, in mm-hmm. real life was. Do you remember seeing that play that Orioles play earlier this year? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. they could have gotten like three like outs in three different places yeah. and they got nothing. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't. It was that wasn't much uh, worth like better. 
better that's than true. What, what happened in that play that's right there. That's true, yeah. It only yeah. took the worst team in baseball to make that play. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so that was interesting. Um, so the kids get home and they find out that Miguel has been placed in a home. Yeah. And I say good fucking riddance to that shithead. Yeah. He was a total shithead and he's gone and they should be glad. But JP cries about it. Yeah. It's, it's lame. It's like JP has some issues because he like has affection for assholes in his life. Like he should be glad. He should piss on, on Miguel's bed. Yeah. Honestly, that's what <laughs> yeah. he should do. Speaking of the beds, um, they were, they, they do show them sleeping later that night and they have these really cool MLB sheets. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, Jeremy! Here's here's a a, a plot hole or something that that's fucked up. Uh-huh. Okay, so so earlier in the movie, in that first bed scene where it's Miguel, JP, and Roger, uh-huh. like they're sleeping. They make a big point about how they're sleeping on mattresses, but they have sleeping bags and not like uh, not bed sheets and oh, bed spreads. Yeah. And then later in the movie, now are we to assume that Danny Glover bought them the uh, oh, the, yeah. the, be- the beds the bed know, sheets? You know what? I guess so because and this must be a cut scene because later on they show Brenda Fricker on a on an angel's helmet phone. And like, yes. and it's like it's a helmet, but it's like a phone on top of the helmet, and like you put it in, and like um, it's it looks like an angel's helmet, but it's a phone. And she has like problems hanging it up, and and she looks like she's like aware of the annoyance of it, as if there were another scene where she like can't figure out how to use it. Yeah, and I'm like, there must have been a cut sequence where they get all this like baseball merchandise or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point because that makes I made a note of that later with this phone, like. How are we, we're supposed to understand that this phone is a nuisance, but like we've never seen it before, right? Um, right. So th- yeah, totally. There's got to be a sequence where they get all this MLB swag. Yeah, that's um, weird. So they've got these MLB bed sheets, and Jeremy and I both made the comment that like we had the same or very similar sheets to yeah, those. Yeah. Um, and it's got like an old Phillies logo too, and I caught an Expos logo on there, which yeah. of course would be it was the mid '90s. The Expos were still around. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jeremy, I swear I had those sheets I, when I was a kid. I definitely did, and like yeah. yeah, there's nothing cooler than like going to bed and like looking at like a, a logo hell yeah dude so that was a cool blast from the past um uh so the next scene like they're at the ballpark and then like we see uh mel clark getting a massage from an angel yep. again and like you know it it shows them that like uh he's ready to be activated like he he is healthy and uh joseph gordon levitt pleads uh with danny glover to uh start start him in the game uh there there's another pitcher prince Warming up. I forgot what his first name is or something. Steve yeah, Dan, Prin- Dan Dan Prince. Dan yeah. Prince, who looked pretty fucking good actually. Yeah. He had like good form. He looked like kind of like a young like I said like a young like Scott Erickson or like Pat Henkin or something. Sure, yeah. Like from the you know to, to quote to the, like reference someone from the mid nineties. Um, but uh, yeah, he looked pretty good and like they sat him for uh for for Clark. But but before that, like they're going back and forth like how he can't do it. like he's like no he's like he's he's injured he can't pitch. And he's like, well, he's on the inactive list anyway. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't stop. But it's like, that should be the end of the conversation. Yeah. It would be like, oh, okay, yeah, he's inactive. Oh, well, whatever. Like, yeah. Maybe you can activate him tomorrow or something. Yep. But then they – so, I, Jeremy, I was writing that in my notes. I was yeah. like, so how are they able to start him? But then, like, Ranch Wilder, like, says over the radio, he's like, uh, yeah, well, the rules in baseball state that you can, like, update your active roster right before the first pitch. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I don't think that's – True, right? I don't like, think so either. I think you have to like file it with the league. With office. the league, you, actually, you know why you have to do that, Jeremy? Because um, it's because I think one of the reasons is uh, like Bill Veck when he batted that like uh, the, uh, the little the, kid, the, the, Eddie Guidel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so when he batted the uh, that that guy, <laughs> like uh, they they. they had, uh, 
enforced like much stricter rules upon like how how you needed to file or like you needed to do it like uh, uh, so many hours before game time or okay. something. So somebody had to review it. So uh, yeah, totally. Like I was going to ask you uh, during this podcast, like, can you actually? Is that actually a thing? Can you I don't actually think update? So. No, I don't no. think so. Because it would have happened at some point if you well, could. Well, so interestingly enough, I think that the Brewers earlier this year like did something like that, where like they uh, they they brought like Corbin Burns up in like one day or some other pitcher in like one day and like they okay. so I don't know what the exact rules are but I'm pretty sure you you can't do it five minutes before first pitch <laughs> no I don't think so and yeah like, but you know and so it's kind of funny like I wonder if they brought in like a MLB expert or something and they said something like uh that's unrealistic or something and then they made a point of saying like like he actually explains it he's like you can do that up until right up until first pitch so it's funny how like they there were these like oversights that they like made kind of an extra point um, to uh, to you know to point men. to point out yeah, yeah exactly another one that I was gonna say for later but I might as well mention it now is um, do the Angels ever play on the fucking road are they, do they play only home games yeah yeah so yeah they say that at some point like um, the story gets out you know I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit but the story gets out in the papers that Danny Glover's uh, it says like believes that angels are helping the team, and it's because JP spilled the beans to Rance Wilder. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, and then they make a point of saying that like even on road games, the kid calls into the dugout. There, and, like, there you know, is one scene where they show Matthew McConaughey chasing down a fly ball in a road uniform. Oh, so, but there's like there? there's I mean it's in one the montage scene. where they're winning. It's in the montage. Okay, yeah, there's one scene that uh, happens a little later. Yeah. I guess I guess we we can get to JP spilling the beans later. Okay, uh, sure, sure, sure. Some things to say about that. The, the only other thing I want to say about that scene is like why do the Players have to be massaged by the angels. Can't yeah. the angels just like touch them or like tap the bill of their hat or something? Why are they getting massaged? Yeah, and like the one that the one that's massaging Adrian Brody is like a, a hot chick yeah, who gives she's... like who gives like a sexual look to like Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> like, what's what's going on here? Yeah, she totally does like, hey, check this out, yeah. little kid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then then uh uh Mel Clark is getting massaged by a male angel. Is he? I think I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So they were yeah, they were you know bending they were kind of bending things a little bit there. But uh, yeah. But yeah. So I just I don't understand why they have to be massaged. Couldn't no. they just be like tapped on the nose or something? Yeah. I, you know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So that was that was an odd choice. But uh, but Clark ends up pitching a complete game shutout. He did. Yeah. Um, and you know ho- like hopefully he didn't run out of like he didn't use up all his bullets in that game. Yeah. Being overused, uh, which we can get into later. Right. Um and. And so, like, as a celebration, like, the kid, um, like, the Danny Glover says to, like, Jogo, he's like, all right, like, we can, you know, to celebrate, you kids get whatever wish you want. And then they're like, okay, or something. Then it cuts to, like, a Sandlot game with all these, like, random kids. In, in different baseball caps. In different, different caps and, like, major league uniforms that yep. were, like, all too long for them. Yeah. So their wish was, we want to play a Sandlot game where you pitch and we all get real uniforms or whatever yeah and so there's all these kids playing and like oh god this scene is so weird and like we're i'm trying to trying to condense this a little bit because we're this, we're running long here but i gotta break down this sequence yes. a little bit so um uh you know i guess we could talk about this really quick um there's a kid that comes up to bat um, and he's wearing a Brewer's hat and a Tiger's jersey. Yes, he's wearing like the the ML the the jersey twist. Yep. I don't know what to call. It. We still haven't like settled on a name for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I'll, my soft proposal. The jersey. The twist. jersey twist. Okay. Yeah. All <laughs> right. I, I like it. You know. Yeah, it, um, it doesn't really 
give it doesn't explain it in the in the title but like it's something it's a yeah. it's a placeholder yeah yeah uh it, but we're definitely seeing this more and more now and it's a recurring theme but like yeah. this kid this kid was like the classic sandlot slugger like babe ruth type of kid yeah. he was the kind of bigger kid with no batting gloves and the evan gaddis stance yeah um, exactly you know he ends up hitting a home run yeah uh, but then like my favorite part of this this whole scene is when uh you know they're trying to figure out who should bat next yeah. and danny glover like sees some kid in a car and he goes let's get the kid on the car like yeah. he calls him he calls him the kid on the he's car like, let's give the kid on the car a chance yeah <laughs> and then like they show this like like close-up of this kid and like he has zero charisma no and he's like i could play the game or whatever I, i've never played ball before like he's a yeah. cute he's a cute kid but he has yeah. like no acting skills no at on-screen all. presence whatsoever no jack i was it was and then they do this whole sequence where he bats and he gets a hit, or actually he he hits a he hits a fucking weak dribbler up the middle, and Danny Glover lets it go between his legs, yep. and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes like, "Run to first, run to first. Yep. and then like the ball kicks away or something, or maybe this is later on or whatever. Um, may, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then um, Danny Glover says to the kid, to this like kid on the car, he's like, "Okay, now run home." Yep. And the kid goes, "Run home." He's like, yeah, yeah. And so he just takes off running and he runs like out into the street, like, um, and he just runs home. That's the yeah. gag. Like, he yeah. doesn't get it. And like Joseph Gordon Levin <clears throat> says, Well, you told him to run home. And then they start laughing. And then they laugh, and yeah. then, but they don't ever go back and get the kid. <laughs> the kid just is running now in the neighborhood, like loose. Yeah. Who knows how far he lives? He probably has to like go through like the bad part of town or whatever. Right. Yeah. And they're just laughing about it yeah. as this kid is like on his own. And, like, how did how did this kid get did, did he, this so this kid is like five years old? Like, did his yeah. did his parents drive him? here like how did all these kids hear about this game are these other foster children right yeah um, there's no explanation like no. we never see them talking to any other kids but jp and 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 miguel no so like how so, do they know these kids no it doesn't make any sense no but jack i got it let's 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 dig into this this kid this the kid on the car yes my only thing about this kid was like i bet that there was some sort of like contest like win a part, win a walk-on part in Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. Like you know, if you like got like a Pizza Hut pizza or something, you could enter a contest yeah. or something. Or like if you rented like fucking uh, I don't know Beethoven or something. And, like there was like <laughs> a, a write-in card. It's like enter for your chance to win a walk-on role in Disney's Angels in the Outfield. And this kid won or something. Yeah. Like it had to be some kind of like contest because they make a point of showing a close-up of him. He has no no one in their right mind would choose this kid to be in this part no but they it's they give him like a big emotional like role um, yeah sort of like it was it's so a big weird. moment for him it was so weird yeah yeah jeremy it's funny because as i was watching that that scene i was thinking like that kid's probably like 29 or 30 years old now now you know? yeah for it's sure like he's just he's probably because i was eight when that movie came out he looked like he was about five or six uh so like yeah he's probably just a couple years uh younger than me so like he's he's probably out there now he might work in uh, like a finance job uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah somewhere he's a finance bro or something <laughs> you know he probably took he probably took that picture of uh, a-rod on the toilet yeah <laughs> <laughs> or something yeah that's it it's in his dating profile now that he was on uh he was in angels in the outfield yeah although that performance was so lackluster i wouldn't like try to use that as any sort of like you know clout or whatever but uh it was just the weirdest thing it was so out of place yes at best it was maybe the director's kid or something it, that he yeah made but him. but you're right you're right jeremy when you say that they definitely did make a point to like show him and make a big yeah. thing out of every one of his lines yeah so there was yeah. definitely something going on there, there it was very weird I, yeah i bet if we look dug deeper into that we might be able to find something we about should it. yeah yeah um so yeah so that happens and then then we get the montage of like you know the angels 
like st- going on a winning streak and uh, um, you know doing good and getting help from actual like the heavenly angels or whatever. Yep. That's where I made the note about McConaughey playing shallower than Jim Edmonds because yeah, he does have that crazy running play in there. Um, as part, I think it's part of the montage. Um, they do this crazy stylized seventh inning stretch uh, like routine. Yeah. Where like everyone is like swaying like in a like choreographed way. Christopher Lloyd is in there also swaying his arms. Yeah. And like there's a scene where like two runners like slide into each other and like Christopher Lloyd pops up from behind as the umpire and he goes like safe or whatever. Yeah. And it's all to take me out to the ball game. Yes. And like it's like they also did like a similar kind of like really cheesy take me out to the ball game take in my blue heaven which also has baseball in it like i don't ever think of that movie as like a baseball movie but there is baseball in that movie Mm -hmm. like that's like a a large um storyline in the movie rick moranis's wife who's like a sports psychologist leaves him for like a baseball player like a a young baseball player uh kind of like the tim robbins another one i've never seen jeremy my blue heaven no i never it's a great movie i like rick moranis it's a great day for a mo that's uh, uh, Steve Martin plays like oddly like an Italian character in it, uh, but it's great. It's it's a great it's a great movie. Yeah, we we sh- I don't know if we can justify it for this podcast, but maybe just uh, you know on an off night we'll we'll watch it yeah. or something. Um, so uh, they make a point of saying like they're they're heading to uh, have a showdown with the first place White Sox. Yes, right. The, the White Sox are in first place. Or they are. They're yeah okay so uh, they're 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 in second place and the Angels are in first place by one is? by one game they okay. have a one game lead and they have a two game series with the White Sox coming up okay so um I gotta say yeah this was around the time of like the White Sox like having a really good team yeah they had a good team in the strike year right they did uh, yeah I mean so they were good in the strike year that was like the the prime of uh, Frank Thomas's career yeah um and so this was a uh, sort of like right uh, in the time too when like the White Sox were like the bad guys in movies because yeah. they're, they're the bad guys in Major League too yeah as exactly well, right yeah. yeah so what a time for the White Sox they were like the the main contenders in two movies yes in, in, at that time yep. so. Things have changed uh, greatly, uh, but uh, but that's <laughs> yeah. that's where they were back in 1994. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, this is the part where I make the the note of like uh, Brenda Fricker having problems with the Angels phone, and that was like um, she gets a call that the social worker uh, like has a meeting, has like a they have a meeting in court that day, like a hearing in court. Yeah. And it's like the the big it's like a big game, and um, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt has to go to court. And uh, he can't go to the game. And uh, so she's like, don't worry, JP will go. And, you know, when you're done, you can go to the game, too, or whatever. And it, it reminded me of the fan, actually, where, like, he had to have that, that uh, custody hearing, was it? Yes. Yeah, and, like, yeah. he couldn't make it to the game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that, you know, that's a peril. That's peril in a baseball game. It's like you something happens and you can't be at the game <laughs> or whatever. But I got to say, like, Joseph Gordon-Levin was like, I can't do it. I got to be at the game. I, I won't go. And it's like, I, I'm to me, like, I was glad about that. I'm like, I do the same. I would do the same thing. I'd be like, yep. fuck court. Fuck the social social worker. I need to be at that fucking game, and yep. I'm going. Yep. And I don't care what the fuck he's get saying. A, get a continuance for this case. Yeah, whatever. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, frame, calling a bomb threat, something. Like, <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. I'm going to be at the game. Yep. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yep. I'm going to be there. It's yep. important. Anyway, so, um, uh, whatever. So they go um, to the... Uh, uh, court and then JP goes to the game. The Angels end up losing. Um, at one point, I think it was, I think maybe it was like Ranch Wilder says, like you know, the fans are here. It's sold out. Uh, the sodas are flowing. The hot dogs are warm. And it just made me remember that, like, don't if, remember what I said about the Angels Stadium hot dogs. 
Oh yeah, worst yeah. hot dog I ever had. Yeah. So it's like, all right, yeah, go ahead, say they're warm. That's great. That doesn't mean that they taste good. You can have a, a hot dog that tastes like shit. It could, you know, it could be warm, but it could still taste like shit. Right. Anyway, um, so uh, I'm just trying to think if they're missing anything else. So this is the part really where the big, the big part from this beat is where JP spills the beans to Ranch Wilder. Yeah. Uh, yeah this, this so is this it. is after the White Sox uh, <clears throat> beat the Angels in this game because uh, uh, Roger wasn't there to uh, spot any Angels. So yeah. the, uh, the the Angel the Angels lose to the White Sox, and so uh, the teams, uh, those two teams, are going to be tied going into the uh, stereotypical big game. At the end of the movie, um, yeah. but uh, but so what the the big the big thing from this scene though is that uh, so uh, Branch Ranch Wilder overhears uh, Danny Glover talking to JP yeah. about like the angels etc. So then Ranch Wilder once uh, Danny Glover leaves like gets JP uh, you know sits him down and says like hey like what's going on real smarmy uh, kind of yeah. in a, in a real smarmy kind of way uh, and like gets JP to open up to him uh, and. Tell about these angels. Yeah, yeah. So he spills the beans. JP. Yeah, and so, so, so then in a in a scene just a bit later, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, and JP are uh, looking at a newspaper and they're reading the this article in the newspaper. Yeah, and like, uh, it's never they never uh, uh, Roger never like accuses JP of spilling the beans. Right. It's like yeah. and JP never like fesses up to it. Right. Like, and he's the only one who knows on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that there's angels. Yeah, uh, and so uh, you know, first of all, like you know, there's always the moment in the movie where like JP, as like a good person, would fess up to this and yeah. be like, "Hey, like I'm sorry," and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be like, "Well, no, it's okay." Yeah. But like JP just never says anything. He never says anything, and like quite honestly, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't seem that upset that this is in the press now. No, he, he does say like he's like, "Well, this isn't going to be good for Co- like Coach Knox or whatever," but um, you know. Uh, whatever you know it's yeah. kind of a weird like non-starter kind of it's like <laughs> yeah. um i mean it does it does lead to trouble for Knox, but it's like there would have been that moment where like he's like how could you tell how could you tell everyone like roger says and then jp says like i don't know i you know I, i'm just a kid or whatever yeah um but like he he was kind of like yeah whatever it's like it's, not, <laughs> it's probably gonna be bad news for Knox, but uh i'm just a kid it doesn't affect me at all <laughs> um so what happens is that uh he gets called into a meeting with the owner yeah Knox does yeah yeah Knox does and he basically tells him like uh like i'm gonna fire you like i should fire you um uh, or like yeah, or does he? He gets like pressure to to fire. Yeah, him or well, Ben Johnson's like, you know what, uh, Knox? Like, you're crazy for going to the uh, for going to the press like this, like yeah. uh, with these angels. You're crazy. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire you. Yeah, and it's like this guy and, just took a last place team. Yeah, and uh, they're, let, they're one game out of first place yeah, at this point. Uh, he miraculously led them to uh, <laughs> to like almost winning, uh, getting them into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, like, who, and, and you're gonna fire him on like the the last day of the season, the eve of the last day of the season. Like, yeah. who are you, Mark Adonazio, fi- gonna... firing Ned Yost uh, in 2008? <laughs> I, I was gonna say Ned Yost thought it was bad, like in the <laughs> in the pennant race, getting fired. But this guy is one game out of first place, right? Um, after they had, I guess, already been in first place. Yeah. Um, and so he goes like, "I'll give you 24 hours, but you have to renounce. You have to like." Like dispel any of these stories of the angels to the press. Yep, you have to give a press conference. And here's my question: What is the structure of this two-game series? Because he says yeah. he's giving him 24 hours, yeah, but like right. there's no game that next day. So like I don't understand. Like, did they have a day off or something? Or yeah, did the right. game get rained out they that mu- day? They must have won that game because 
then they like uh, I mean I don't know what you know I don't know the it's probably not worth breaking it down at this no. point but um, but because the next game is like a decisive game and yeah if they were out of first place then then they had to have been tied or something yeah I don't know so whatever um but uh, so he comes to this, he goes to this press conference and like. You know he's he's supposed to say that he, there are no angels or whatever, and then we see jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt shows up with Maggie, aka Brenda Fricker, and um, you know they basically like uh, like Maggie speaks or whatever, and like I don't know what she she says like you know I, uh, she's like uh, so you know do we laugh at a football player when yeah, he gets right. when he scores a touchdown when he, he gets prays down, yeah and he like he, takes the knee to pray or yeah something. and he gets down on one knee to thank God you know do we do we laugh at a pitcher when he crosses himself before he throws a pitch no yeah. so like why why are we laughing about we can laugh about God or like we can it's God is okay but why aren't angels okay and yeah. then everybody's like oh yeah you know she's got a point yeah that was the whole thing and then like so then like um, they stand up and like they support Knox and then all the players like um. Who was the first one to stand up and say yeah, something? Yeah, it was Danza. It was Tony Danza. He's Tony like, Danza. Yeah, I don't know if there's uh, actually angels, but I'm not playing for anybody but George Knox. Yeah, exactly. And then then the fat catcher stands up and he's yep. like, "Me too." And he's got glasses on. Like oh, yeah. he's it's like the classic like athlete like seeing him uh, outside of like the his workplace with like you know the, the glasses <laughs> on and he's all cleaned up. So yeah. that was how uh, that was how the fat guy was. Yeah. Um, and then they all stand up, and yeah. it's like Knox just saved his job. And the owner like backs him. He's like, you know, he will remain the coach of this it, ball club. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like when the the Mets said, like, uh, you know, Mickey Kellaway is the manager for the of the Mets for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so okay, so that leads us to like the big showdown with the White Sox. Yep. And um, yeah, you know, uh, I think like uh, it's like an, it's it's kind of just like the beats of like. Major League One. Yeah, your typical beats. Uh, Ray Mitchell hits a two-run home run to tie it, like in the seventh inning at two to two. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, honestly, Jeremy, it's kind of a lackluster uh, final game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the the big thing in this is like uh, you know Tony Danza is pulling a Mark Pryor in this game. Like, <laughs> well, wait, he's hold, just, before the, before we get to that, I just want to say when when Mitchell hits the homer, they cut to a guy who picks up. The, the home run ball and we, Jack, we both laughed at this it's just some guy just some like guy with like gray hair and he's wearing like a white t-shirt again with a white t-shirt but this time like orange or like uh, olive khakis yeah and he grabs the ball and you can hear him and he goes like yeah whatever he holds the ball up and like he looks like just a guy from the crew that they like they're like we need someone to hold this ball up or whatever and like we don't want to pay an extra so like just get like the the boom uh, uh, mic operator to, to hold up the the ball and like he does and he goes like ah or whatever and like and so like the game is tied or whatever and so then yeah and so they they take the lead at some point and it, it is it's kind of like uh, anticlimactic when they take the lead really it is it's just like on a bunt uh, a, a squeeze play yeah, yeah yeah exactly and so so Tan- Tony Danza is hanging to a tenuous uh, one run lead I think. And like yes, he's going full Mark Pryor in uh, game uh, or like in the it was it wasn't even game six it was uh, like game three or two or, or it must be game two yep. of, of the NLCS where he like they threw him like 130 pitches with like a 10 run lead or something yeah 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 so at one point uh, the announcer goes like. Uh, Tony Danza is uh, struggling here. He's thrown 156 pitches. <laughs> 156. That's that's comical. It's yes. comically overblown. Yeah. Like even for 1994 standards, I don't think, except for maybe Nolan Ryan or something. Yeah. 
like, yeah. may have thrown that many pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, even at, even at that time, that's a comically high number, yes. high pitch count. Yeah. Uh, and so, Jeremy, we didn't even get to the best part of this game, which is that during the game, uh, Christopher Lloyd comes down to the dugout to talk to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. And tell Joseph Gordon-Levitt that Tony Dance's character only has six months to live because he's dying of <laughs> lung cancer. Yes. That's pretty yes. fucked up. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That was that came before all that, but like. Yeah, yeah. So like they sh- and then they show like a shot. They show them looking at him, and he's just kind of like leaning. He's having like a moment, like he's leaning uh, against the dugout and like kind of just like pondering, like looking out into like the field or whatever. Like kind of has like a moment of peace over him, and like they're like there's and then from afar, Christopher Lloyd and, and Levitt are talking, and they're like, yeah. He doesn't know it yet, but he's only got six, like, all that smoking or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, and it's okay, so now that all that smoking has, like, come full circle, and it's like, it's like, all right, kids, like, you're going to, if you smoke, you're going to die of cancer. Like, so don't smoke. Yeah. And, I mean, Jeremy, like, the, the team doctors that they have and stuff, like, they, they didn't catch the fact that he essentially sounds like he's got, like, stage four cancer. Yeah, like, he must be, like, filled with tumors, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, uh, and and then it's uh, again like this is never really like dealt with like no. afterwards. It's like he's like he's happy that like they win. Yeah, it's like he's got no idea he'll be what the fuck is about to go down. He'll be dead by opening day. <laughs> <laughs> if you do the math, if this is like late late September, yeah, early October, like he'll be dead by April. So like they'll break club, they'll break camp or whatever, and then he'll he'll fucking die on the team or whatever. Jesus. But uh, hopefully maybe he retired after the after the season. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. So anyway. Um. Uh. I don't know. They're, they're, you know. Uh. So yeah. They, whatever. They win the game. Mel Clark ends up throwing a complete game, and then at the end, Danny Glover adopts Joseph Gordon-Levitt and JP. Yeah. I gotta say. I, yeah. I gotta say. Just bef- like to go to just before we wrap up the game. So the big the big player comes. So bases are loaded. They're yep. up by one. Um, uh, so the big guy comes up for the White Sox. I thought at first they, they said his name was like Teasy or Teasy or something yeah. or Tazy, but his name is Ken Keezy, which is the Ken author. Keezy, the author of uh, uh, one, one uh, flew over the cuckoo's nest. nest. His yeah. name is like Kenneth uh, Hit or Die Keezy. That's got to be a, a reference to uh, the author. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Christopher Lloyd, I guess. Um, but but it's, and Christopher Lloyd, yeah. Yeah, and so it's funny. Like they say, like um, hit or die. They show it on the angels on the angels scoreboard, and like that's the guy's Keezy's like nickname is hit or die. And so like, why would they show the the visiting visiting players like like nickname on the home team scoreboard yeah that'd be like the White Sox showing Big Poppy yeah exactly and like showing like a video package of like him like hitting home runs and it's like Big Poppy or whatever it's like yeah. what are you trumping this guy up for like he's about to eliminate your team from the seat like from the playoffs or whatever yeah um, so yeah so that's the big showdown really and um, yeah he gets him to uh, he like lines out to the pitcher he lines out to Clark yeah. and Clark like dives for it and catches it but like if you think of the like the like mathematics of it and like you know, stat cast and like exit velocity. It's like it had to have been like a nubber off the of the end of the bat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the kind that like makes it like punk sound like yep. when he hits it, and like it's like it's not like it wouldn't have been like a great play to watch. Like it would have just like <laughs> floated right to the pitcher and he yeah. caught it. So, um, so yeah, he lines up. It's an L one, and the game's over, and the yep. Angels win. Yep. Yeah, and so then yeah, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Um, Danny Glover. They go back to the house and uh, they say that you got a call 
And uh, JP runs off and cries again because uh, Joseph Gordon-Levin is going to get adopted. And it turns out that Danny Glover is the one adopting them. And he's also adopting JP. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, well, then Brenda Fricker is now left alone. Yeah. And then she's just like, my work is here. Yeah. And yeah. Like, she's oh, like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, um, yeah, it's like the angel, like, like, you know, I've done my job. Now I will go back or something. But like, um, but yeah, so, so that happened. JP finally sees an angel and he says, I knew it could happen. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that's kind of how it all wraps up. Um, yeah. I don't know what else. Um, you know. but, well, uh, just what do you think, Jeremy? Oh God! I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, so there's the moment where, so when there's a the moment where uh, uh, Tony Danza like looks like he's in trouble, yeah, and they, uh, I guess it's unspoken that like that they all they both know that they have to tell Tony Danza that he has an angel, so he believes it or yeah. whatever, and so like all the all the like players start doing the, like the angel flapping like which is a signal from joseph gordon levitt to Knox that there's an angel yeah. present so like i mean i guess that's a pretty that's like a nice moment that was a nice moment i yeah. was gonna say because then the, the the music is like blaring during that part too yeah you know although i was gonna say that the score for this movie sucks yeah it was it was bad it sucks yeah. and a lot of times score baseball movies are known for their good scores definitely mm-hmm. the natural yeah uh, is like an all-time score um. Uh. But like this one sucked. It. You know, Jeremy. The music there, sucked. There, in this there, movie. I wonder if it was done by the same people who did the score for Billy Madison, because like it's, <laughs> it's got this very uh, mid '90s like uh, uh, feeling to it. So yeah. I would be interested to know that. But it, it, the the score felt very like mid '90s crappy like kids movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it was bad. But that 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 scene is like you know it, it's a it's a good scene. Um. Taylor Negron even gets in on the act of, yep. of flapping his arms. I should say this is, comes a week too late, but um, Mark uh, Bubble Bath from last week has a friend uh, who looks just like Taylor Negron. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. I, I'll show you a picture of him later or something, but he's a dead ringer for Taylor Negron. Anyway, that's an aside. But, um, I mean, it's just hard to get past the Disney-ish of this movie. Yep. Like, there are these, like, close-up shots of, like, people's face, like, having these reactions or whatever, and, like, these serious... Mo- Anytime that there's, like, a an emotional shift in a character they show like a close-up like a full frame close-up of someone's face and it's just like it's so disney in in certain parts like i guess that's disney's signature like to have these like close-up like reaction shots um so i don't know like the base like it it, it, where major league has like an edge to it the movie major league this movie has like completely soft edges i mean it is a disney movie compared to major league which was rated r so that makes sense but um i mean the baseball in it, uh, a lot of times, like like the pitchers look pretty bad. As 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 fun as uh, uh, Bass Bass's character yeah. is, he he has horrible form, almost yes. like to like uh, a Danny McBride levels from uh, Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to say like what I would have thought of it as a kid. Um. It wasn't. Uh. It was. It was fine. It was yeah. fine. I mean, honestly, I could never get into Little Big League. Yeah. 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 And like. Um, you know, I feel like it's probably about that same level, but um, watching it with a purpose helped me kind of like get invested in it and like just follow through. It's just it's just interesting to see how different movies handle like the different archetypes of a baseball movie, like the big game, the uh, success montage or whatever. Like, so it's interesting to see how it's handled in like a kid's movie. Yeah. You know, Jeremy, uh, when I was, so I saw this movie when I was about eight years old and Mm -hmm. I want to say I saw Major League for the first time when I was maybe 10 or 11. Um, And uh, I don't know that I ever went back to this movie after I saw Major League, you know? Yeah, sure. It was like I sort of, uh, like 
Major League sort of ended this movie for me. It was like, uh, yeah, you know, Major League was like the more adult version. I sort of graduated to that uh, when I saw it. So I, I don't think I've seen this movie like since I first saw Major League. So yeah, uh, I mean, there's no comparison between the two. This is like the kids' version of Major League. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I you know I it, it was it was interesting to go back. It was nostalgic, but uh, you know it. It's, it's hard for me to really know why I liked this movie when I was a little kid, other than the <laughs> fact that I was a little kid. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, I suppose. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, yeah, it's weird that that that, that gap was, like, crucial for yeah. the two of us, like, watching this movie. That's interesting. Um, I will say, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't even, did I even say that Carney Lansford was Ken Kesey? I didn't. I didn't even say. That. I think oh, we, no, we were talking about not. Ken Kesey, but Carney Lansford is in it. I mean, that gives it points. I will say. So Carney Lansford, the Jack, you didn't. You didn't know Carney Lansford. Nah, before my time. Yeah, just slightly before your time. I guess I caught like the end of his career, but he was on the '89 uh, uh, Oakland A's. Okay. Uh, the World Series champs. Uh, so he was like the third baseman for that team, and. Um, He's just like a goofy looking like third baseman. He had like red hair and he usually he kind of had like a mustache and a mullet. Basically, um, I have a Carney Lansford bobblehead. Nice. Um, in like this classic uh, ast- or, uh, athletics uh, jersey. He was on the Angels at one point in the seventies as well. Um, so I mean that's cool. That gives that gives him points right there. Um, but uh, and Taylor Negron gives gives it points for me in, yep. in my book. I just cannot believe that Carney Lansford. He's the only baseball player in the whole movie, as far I, as yep, I can tell. I was going to say, Jeremy, it's not a real baseball movie unless it's got a real baseball player in it. Yeah, at and, least uh, one. At least one. And if you're if the only one's going to be Carney Lansford, I guess that's pretty good. So maybe I'm <laughs> changing my tune on this movie. I will say at the end of the movie when like they come home and like it's like they never get to celebrate. Like it's like Danny Glover doesn't get to celebrate with the team. Like they won the pennant. Or whatever, um, but they have to go home and like do the whole child services thing. It's like fuck that shit. Let put that shit on the back burner and like just celebrate the win. Like yeah. let it be about baseball for a second. You know, yeah. it has to be about this child services and he's adopted. It's like well, that can wait till tomorrow. Like let like it's about it should be about baseball tonight. Yeah. Anyway, so so there's that. Um, but uh, but yeah, ultimately uh, I don't know. There's there are some there are some highlights in it I, I I will admit. Well, who knows? Maybe next time Jeremy will watch Little Big League and uh, watch Timothy Busfield do his thing. A yeah, little bit. for sure. Uh, cool. So I think that's going to wrap us up for uh, for this week. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll we'll get uh, to another game next week. Uh, it had actually been a while since we did a mini soda, uh, which is good. It means we're going to do a lot of games. Uh, yeah. It wasn't possible this week because of the All Star break. Yeah. But uh, next week, hopefully we'll be we'll be back at a, at the stadium. We don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, that'll do it. Uh, so I'm Jerry Dionisio. I'm Jack Swakowski. We'll catch you next time on Rain Delay Theater.